Tantalizing Tuesday night, everybody. You are now tuned in to episode 354 of the Exceptional Scribble Show. I am your host, Sage. Did you feel that love? If not, I'm going to try to send it out even more. This time, I'm bringing it further out. I'm making sure it stretches across the ocean, going overseas. Greetings. This is Sage. And for those that are in, not just Pacific time, but mountain time, loves you so and i'm sending you some good vibrations tonight some healing vibes oh yeah our focus is healing tonight and let me get started with giving you the itinerary from now until about 9 9 30 we will be discussing and this is a very serious topic very serious subject matter okay The topic is 5G radiation. We're going to cover what 5G radiation side effects are evident in both humans and the physical environment. Because not everybody knows what it is that they are looking at when they are out and about and just observing some of the changes within how the grass looks now, even some of our trees, how things aren't as lush as they used to be. And now I just noticed a couple of neighbors, they literally had grass like carpet delivered to their house. And there were people they hired to literally implant within the ground this grass meaning the grass that was already there for some reason it's not growing like it used could 5g radiation be one of the causes we're going to do some investigating on tonight and listen if you really want to be more aware than you once were in regards to this Tonight is your night. You're not tuning in by coincidence. So I urge you to stay tuned in because you're going to find out some things that are not readily accessible and available as for its distribution in every place. Because not everywhere is literally encouraging us to discuss this subject matter but wow our fifth our um amendment rights are not being taken from us we better take full advantage of this opportunity and spread the news let people know listen 5g radiation is harmful there are some very harmful side effects that are manifest and they are now evident and these side effects 
are now evident in us as humans, as well as in our environment, which of course includes the plant life, the green things. And we know we co-inhabit earth with the plant life and the green things and the trees. So if they're not okay, if they're becoming weak, and if they're becoming sickly, then that explains why so many of us are beginning to what? Die from a variety of diseases and cancers. Yes, more widespread than at any other time in human life on earth, okay? So we need to get to the bottom of things. And listen, I'm not trying to, I'm not a fear mongerer for one. So this is not a fear tactic tonight. This is to wake us up and make us more alert so that we can better fare well in our day-to-day life. Because when you are, let's, let me say this, preparedness is essential. A lot of times we say to people, you know, be vigilant, be sober, but preparedness. What are we doing by way of equipping people in terms of mindfulness? So here's something that I want you to feast on. And this is what our topic is, 5G radiation. It's side effects on humanity and the environment. And our focus, again, our focus is always going to be healing because healing is essential. We must heal well. And in order for us to heal well, we must take inventory of where we are, what we're doing, and how we're getting it done. It's never easy at first. When you first wake somebody up that's sleeping and they're in a heavy or deep sleep, the first thing they do is fight. Oh, yeah, because you know why? They're comfortable and they are predicament. They don't feel that it's threatening to them. They don't know the danger that if they continue to sleep on during this time and decide they don't want to be awake, that it will be to their own detriment. They can lose their life. So what I'm going to say and what I'm going to do is the following. I'm going to keep you awake. I know for some of us, we remember there was that movie that came out some years ago, and it was Nightmare on Elm Street. And the villain was Freddy Krueger. And this was the thing. You had to stay awake. And I mean, people was doing everything to keep their friends awake, their neighbors awake, their loved ones awake. Those two were the targets, of course, of Freddy Krueger. They were doing whatever they could do within their power to stay awake. And the thing of it is, some people eventually did fall asleep. And of course, we know what that meant. They met their doom. Doom. And they were dead. 
And I want you to think long and hard about just that concept and, and that aspect as for self-preservation. What wouldn't you do to stay alive? Or what would you do to stay alive? If it meant you had to stay awake until your villain was completely obliterated, wouldn't you do what you had to do? If that meant you had to have six shots of espresso <laughs> and the most sweetest molasses and it mixed together, I mean a big, big cup, and swallowed that down and just kind of, oh my gosh, if you had to tape your eyelids, whatever you had to do to stay awake, you would do it. Or you would have somebody watchful that you knew cared for you and cared so much that they wouldn't let any harm come to you there just in case you fall asleep. They would wake you back up, right? So that's the deal. I'm right there. I'm not going to let you fall asleep, not on my watch. I'm not going to allow you to stay in your comfort zone and remain asleep when I know it would be to your detriment. So I have some very pertinent information to share with you because this is real talk tonight. Again, what is the topic? Episode 354 of the Exceptional Scribble Show. And yes, we will be referencing some articles from a variety of resources or sources. And yes, many are respected authorities in the field of science and etc. And these are persons who have been doing a lot of study and research on this. So I'm not just coming half cop with some lame statements. I have supporting evidence and I'm going to make sure that you get it and you get it and, and it's full context, because it's important that we all become made aware that we're at war and there is a biochemical warfare going on. And even technology is being used as an adversary or a weapon of mass destruction. Artificial intelligence inclusive, ladies and gentlemen. Don't get too comfortable. Don't get so caught up in what's trendy and what you feel is accommodating. Oh, it's so conventional these days. Everything's smart. My watch is smart. My house is smart. My car is smart. Yeah, you're chipped. Everything is chipped. So what does that mean? Everything can be controlled by another source outside of you, outside of self. So we are actually experiencing our power to, at our command, control devices becoming 
minimized. So minimal that eventually it will be no more. And we will be chipped too. And they won't call us smart. We are already being cloned as quiet as it's kept. That's the beginning of the AI takeover. And I'm not trying to make you afraid. I'm just opening your eyes to some truths that maybe your, your eyes were closed or half shut to. And listen, this is real. Artificial intelligence, there's a dark side to it. Also, it's called cyber genetics. We're gonna to touch on a lot of things. I know the focus is 5G radiation and its harmful side effects on humanity and the physical environment, right? But we're also gonna find out how all these things are connected. The artificial intelligence takeover, or if you wanna go even deeper or further than that, cyber genetics, genetics we're talking about gene slicing, and literally fusing DNA with that, which is what? Cyber, okay? That's where you have half machine, half human. And some people thought that would never happen. But did we not see movies like RoboCop and so many other movies, right? Where they basically expose these things are already ideas implanted in the minds of some scientists and some people and technology and is an attractive idea to them and they will eventually do what make it a reality it's not going to stay an idea it doesn't just sit on the table or on the shelf as a good idea somebody takes interest in it and eventually what the price is right. And there we go. We have a funder. And once that idea has money to back it, next thing you know, the project is launched. And it is always in this experimental phase first. And you're going to have some persons that are going to volunteer. And then you're going to have some that are going to want to be paid. And next thing you know, it's on the market, meaning it's, voila, it's here. We don't have that much time to be what's called um, wearing some rose-colored glasses or like Alice in Wonderland or Dorothy in the land of Oz, off to see the wizard. We have just enough time to be awake, alert, watchful, observant, because we're literally gonna have to resist. When these things come down the pike and they're being thrust upon us, okay, as this is official and now made law. This is what you are required, not asked, meaning it's not optional. You are required to consent to. Are you going to say, I will allow 
YouTube RFID chipney? Or are you going to say, you know what? I'm not a robot. I have a soul. I'm alive. I am a spirit. I am a spiritual being. And I dwell within Sanu. I have flesh and bone and blood. And I'm having what's called a human experience. But I am a spiritual being first. When are we going to raise that bar and keep it high and not be a puppet? No strings attaching us to a puppet master's hands where they can move us about at will as if we have no mind willpower of our own. We've got to snap out of it. It's that time. It's time to wake up. It's time to stay up and it's time to be up. So without any further ado, I'm going to get started and I'm going to share with you some references. And these are some really important things that we should know. Because for far too long, we've been a pawn on a chessboard. And now it's time for us to reassert ourselves and reclaim our rightful positions. Yes, we have the authority to be in charge. We cannot afford to settle for less. So here are a few of the study references. I know they were provided. Some of you received the email. We do have a community letter email that's sent out weekly that informs you about all our upcoming shows. And we try not to send it too early. We try to send at least three days prior or two days and a reminder on the day before and day of even just to keep you well informed about what our show's topic will be. So in the meantime, and I know that you're excited because I'm excited right along with you, but we're going to go right in. Here is our topic, 5G radiation, its side effects on humanity and the environment. And our focus is healing. For those of you that would like to participate, I'm going to give the instructions at this time. You can access the Exceptional Scribble Show via the internet and join the chat room during tonight's live broadcast. Tune in at 8 p.m. Well, it's now 8.45, but tune in and visit Online, the online access link. It's www, you can write this down, dot talkshoe.com backslash c-o-n-f backslash summary, s-u-m-m-a-r-y backslash 16134919. To access the Exceptional Scribble Show via the internet, 
and to join the chat room during tonight's live. Visit the online access link. I'm going to give it one more time. It's www.talkshoot.com backslash conf, which is short for conference conf. C-O-N-F backslash summary, S-U-M-M-A-R-Y backslash 16134919. That is the online access link. Again, once you visit the online access link, you will have connected and join tonight's broadcast. We welcome you. We want to hear what is your commentary on this topic and subject matter. We know that you've done some studying and some research and also some observing. So we know that you have some good information to impart as well. So let's all join in. Let's break bread together. Come, let's reason. This is a time of reasoning where we can literally ponder these things because these are some serious things that we need to consider. And if we ponder these things, we'll be well off because preparedness is essential. One more time, preparedness is essential. Next, for those that would like to call in, first, let me explain. If you do not have a phone service provider plan that grants you privileges to place calls outside of the states. When I say outside of the states, I'm referring to the United States of America, okay, a.k.a. North America, right? Then you will be charged one cent per minute during the call. You will be charged one cent per minute during the call. So to call in, you're going to dial 867-292-3066. I repeat, 867-292-3066. Listen for the voice prompt. When asked for the show ID, type in the six-digit show ID number. 133-193. I repeat, when asked for the show ID, type in the six-digit show ID number. 133-193. Next, when asked for the PIN number, type one on the phone keypad. I repeat, when asked for the PIN number, type one on the phone keypad, and then press the pound key. All right. For more general information about the episode or to review study links and other resource information, visit the Radio Show's fan page on Facebook. Yes, we have a fan page on Facebook, everyone. Some of you may not have known that. And to visit our fan page, all you need to do is go on Facebook. First, you have to have a Facebook account. Go on Facebook and visit the Scribble Show or the Exceptional 
The Exceptional Scribble Show. Type it in. Type it in the search engine bar, The Exceptional Scribble Show, and you will navigate directly to our fan page, our radio show's fan page. The moderator of the open forum discussion. Now, this is key. Don't you dare forget this. The moderator of the open forum discussion will be the show host. Who says? Who says? Who says? That's her name, Sage. Did you hear? Sage. <laughs> All right. So, yes, yeah, she's the moderator. So that means the following. And I am Sage, in case someone out there did not know. Um, I will basically make sure that the one mic rule is being respected. And you, you are going to speak when you are addressed or the mic is now passed to the hand of. I will say that. The mic is now passed to the hand of, and when you hear that and your name follows that, that means you have the mic and the spotlight is on you and it is your turn to speak, okay? I wanna make sure everybody knows. I don't want nobody confused on when to speak, okay? And how it's being done. All right, so we've got all of the preliminaries out of the way, here is the question for research and study tonight. What 5G radiation side effects are evident in both humans and the physical environment? This is where it gets heavy. And I'm going to say if you feel somebody in your physical environment cannot handle the truth, this is the time to say to them, you will want to leave the room right now. Because you do not want someone that's not ready to be handed something they're not prepared for. Because it's gonna it's it's gonna be overwhelming for them. And honestly, if they can't chew the meat, what happens? They're gonna choke trying to swallow it. And we don't want nobody dying in result to them not being able to what? Stomach this truth. But this is about the truth tonight. Again, the question for research and study, what 5G radiation side effects are evident in both humans and the physical environment? Here it goes. Here's the answer, and then I'm going to share the source. Because we're going to go online. We're going to get to where we need to go. It's about the truth tonight, folks. All about the truth. What 5G radiation side effects are evident in both humans and the physical environment? Here's the answers. What is the impact of 5G on health and environment? The transmissions to and from proposed 
5G wireless installations are radio frequency emissions that are an environmental pollutant found to cause cancer in both experimental animals and humans. So it doesn't just affect us people. It's also affecting our feline friends, canine friends, amphibious friends, our insect friends, the bees, the bees. Remember they were talking about why are the bees vanishing? They were even blaming it on GMO crops. Well, it goes a little deeper and further than just GMO crops. Those 5G towers now that have been installed and most of our major cities and Philadelphia is one since March of 2020. Philadelphia was declared what? A 5G city. That means there's a certain amount of 5G radiation. Yes, radio frequency emissions, which are environmental pollutants found to cause cancer that are being released into the environment. And yes, there's been an increase of deaths due to cancer. We do not want to think that our cell phones can be, yes, environmental pollutants, releasing radio frequency emissions that are found to cause cancer, but there is a link, and it's, it's been proven to be a link to many persons developing brain tumors. Okay, now let me read on. DNA damage, that is another side effect. DNA damage, neurological damage, and other adverse health and environmental effects. For example, on birds, bees, and trees, and let's not forget grass. And I'm going to say this again because I saw it. I'm driving to my house after work, right? And what do I notice? A neighbor having grass installed or implanted within the ground in the front of their home. And it was a carpet of grass. I never saw that as a child. A matter of fact, as a child, I never saw people having to feed their grass, having to color their grass. All people had to do was just water their grass. When I was a little girl, there were no cell phones. There were pay phones. There were cordless phones. I'm sorry, there were pay phones. There were phones with cords <laughs> first before the cordless phones. Because the cordless phones was actually the first step towards wireless technology in terms of what we know now is the, the radio frequencies. 
with the emissions that are harmful to our environment and us. So I'm gonna go right to one of the first study and reference links which was shared. And those who received the community letter by email, you got this information. Um, it's the title is an open letter on the environmental and health effects of 5G and telecommunications infrastructure. The source is Environmental Health Trust, the Environmental Health Trust. Bear with me, I'm just gonna share a little. And it reads as follows. I write to bring to your attention critical scientific and technical information justifying an immediate moratorium on 5G as called for four by more than 400 scientists and supported by thousands of medical doctors, independent public health and medical experts worldwide are requesting immediate reductions in both public exposure to microwave wireless radiation and a halt to the densification of wireless infrastructure. Okay, this is some serious business folks. Environmental Health Trust, EHT, is a nonprofit think tank and policy organization founded in 2007, dedicated to identifying and reducing environmental health hazards. EHT provides independent scientific research and advice on controllable environmental hazards to local, state, and national governments. Today, we write to advise you of the published scientific grounds establishing why and how to avoid major health and environmental impact from the installation of 5G wireless telecommunications facilities and associated 4G wireless infrastructure in neighborhoods, parks, and wilderness. The transmissions to and from proposed 5G wireless installations are radio frequency emissions that are an environmental pollutant found to cause cancer in both experimental animals and humans. DNA damage, neurological damage, and other adverse health and environmental effects, for example, on birds, bees, and trees, according to internationally recognized authoritative research. The prestigious institutions that have conducted these studies include the U.S. National Toxicology Program, the nation's premier testing institute, and the Ramazzini Institute, a foremost testing center in Italy. The current guidelines put forth by the self-appointed self-monitored minority viewpoint of the International Commission for Non- Good evening. The current guidelines put forth by the self-appointed self-monitored minority viewpoint of the International Commission on Non-Ionizing Radiation Protection, the ICNIRP. I'm just muting 
the mic temporarily while I'm reading. It's very important documentation. The current guidelines put forth by the self-appointed, self-monitored minority viewpoint of the International Commission on Non-Ionizing Radiation Protection, the ICNIRP, upon which some government limits are based, are not protective of health, as they are not based on documentation of safety for long-term exposure. Furthermore, none of the limits were developed to ensure safety to flora and fauna. As the Natural Resources Defense Council has argued in U.S. courts, an environmental impact assessment should be performed before building out these networks. Okay, again, this is a open letter on the environmental and health effects of 5G and telecommunications infrastructure. This document is by the Environmental Health Trust. The Environmental Health Trust is a nonprofit think tank and policy organization founded in 2007, dedicated to identifying and reducing environmental health hazards. The EHT provides independent scientific research and advice on controllable environmental hazards to local, state, and national governments. And it says, today we write to advise you of the published scientific grounds establishing why and how to avoid major health and environmental impacts from the installation of 5G wireless telecommunications facilities and associated 4G wireless infrastructure in neighborhoods, parks, and wilderness. And I'm gonna share one more time this part. The transmissions to and from Proposed 5G wireless installations are radio frequency emissions that are an environmental pollutant found to cause cancer. In both experimental animals and humans, DNA damage, neurological damage, and other adverse health and environmental effects. For example, on birds, bees, and trees. According to internationally recognized authoritative research, the prestigious institutions that have conducted these studies include the U.S. National Toxicology Program, the nation's premier testing institute, and the Ramazzini Institute, a foremost testing center in Italy. The current guidelines put forth by the self-appointed, self-monitored minority viewpoint of the International Commission on Non-Ionizing Radiation Protection, the ICNIRP, upon which some government limits are based, are not protective of health as they are not based on documentation of safety for long-term exposure. 
Furthermore, none of the limits were developed to ensure safety to flora and fauna. As the National Resource Defense Council has argued in U.S. courts, an environmental impact assessment should be performed before building out these networks. Now, I'm going to read on the ICNIRP. Limits do not protect people, wildlife, or the environment. The exposure guidelines developed by ICNIRP and which many countries rely on to set radio frequency guidelines are based on the outdated and proven erroneous assumption that the thermal effects are the only harm <coughs> from radio frequency radiation. These guidelines do not protect people or wildlife from biological effects of chronic low-level non-thermal exposures. And I'm going to share an article. You can go online, write this down, small cells, and the cells as in C-E-L-L-S, many cell towers, many M-I-N-I cell towers, comma, wireless facilities, and health. And then there's a colon, two dots, letters from scientists on the health risk of 5G. And this is the Environmental Health Trust last modified it was this particular documentation, September 20th, year 2017, from the Environmental Health Trust. And I just want to read just a little more. Research on harmful impacts to the developing brain of children. We really need to know this because a lot of times we are wondering why our children are not advancing and why it seems like it's so difficult for them to focus. And they have what's called the attention deficit disorder or the attention deficit hyperactive disorder. These are side effects as well of 5G radiation exposure. Let me read on. Research on harmful impacts to the developing brain of children was not factored into the standard setting decisions, nor do these guidelines take into account adverse impacts on male and female reproduction or DNA damage that has been found to occur in published research studies. Numerous countries have much stronger limits than the ICNIRP. The following is a sampling of countries with cell tower network radio frequency radiation RF limits. Maximum permissible limits, far more stringent than ICNIRP limits. We have countries like Belarus, Bulgaria, China, Russia, Belgium, Chile, Greece, India, Israel, Italy, Liechtenstein, and Switzerland. In 2011, the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe issued Resolution 1815, the potential dangers of electromagnetic fields and their effects on the environment. A call to European governments to take all reasonable measures to reduce exposure to electromagnetic fields, particularly the exposure to children. Did we hear that? Particularly the exposure to children. 
okay? And young people who seem to be most at risk from head tumors. Resolution 1815 specifically states that government reconsiders the scientific basis for the present standards on exposure to electromagnetic fields set by the International Commission on Non-Ionizing Radiation Protection, which have serious limitations, and apply ALARA as low as reasonable achievable. That's what ALARA is an acronym for, as low as reasonably achievable. Covering both thermal effects and the thermic or biological effects of electromagnetic emissions or radiation. While many European countries have stronger limits based on their framework of precaution, countries such as India, China, and Russia have much lower limits than ICNIRP and are science-based. Their limits are more stringent because their scientists completed research indicating adverse health effects at non-thermal levels of exposure. According to Russian radiation experts who have studied microwaves for decades, the following health hazards are likely to be faced in the near future by children who regularly use mobile phones, disruption of memory, decline in attention, uh-huh, attention deficit disorder, there we go, diminished learning and cognitive abilities. Have we not heard people saying this child just doesn't seem to be able to process things? Um, decline in attention, diminished learning and cognitive abilities, increased irritability, sleep problems. A lot of children are suffering with insomnia these days. Increase in sensitivity to stress. We have a lot of children suffering with anxiety as well. Um, increased epileptic readiness. We have a lot of children suffering with epilepsy. Uh, for these reasons, special recommendations on child safety from mobile phones have been incorporated into the current Russian mobile phone standard. China's cell tower limits are based on science showing effects, which include behavioral, neurological, and reproductive abnormalities and DNA damage. Oh my goodness, if something's damaging our DNA, ladies and gentlemen, we need to take things seriously. And I'm gonna be sharing this in the chat room because we need to really know and share this information. We need not to act like we don't know. We need to be um, aware of what's going on and treat this as seriously as it is. Because listen, it's when we don't take these things seriously that they become what? They become the nightmare or they become the trouble that we dread. 
the very things that we don't take to heart or we don't take seriously and we don't govern ourselves accordingly once the information is brought to our attention. These are the things that rise up to bite us where we will hurt the most. And our children, unfortunately, they're on the front line in, the, in this instance. They are being sacrificed because of the ignorance. When we're not being wise and we're not putting their welfare at the forefront and we're not making their welfare and safety our priority, they are prone to this type of death or destruction. And this is not fair to them. They deserve to lead a healthy life and a full life. And that won't happen if we continue to turn a, a blind eye or a deaf ear to this information. So I'm just a voice in the wilderness right now. And I'm just trying to encourage us as a people, as humanity, to care more. Because the very thing that we turn our heads to, or we act as if, oh, this is not going to affect us right now. This is not a priority need that we need to be um, taking into consideration right now. That's when we're going to hurt worse. Because it's the could have, would have, should have syndrome that's going to follow that type of attitude. Let's not be nonchalant about this information. I'm not just sharing this just to, you know, entice you to want to find out more. I'm literally saying we have become so dependent on these devices, okay? These 5G devices, and we did not take into consideration what is the downside of 5G. What is the downside? All we think about is how we can have, okay, a faster speed as for technology and telecommunication, right? We want that faster speed, but at what expense is killing us? And it's not just killing us, it's killing the environment, the bees, the birds, the trees, the animals, the plants, the grass. I'm going to share it again. I was driving home from work today, and lo and behold, my neighbor's grass is gone. And I see them getting a carpet of grass implanted in the ground in front of their house. And I'm like, that looked like regular carpet, but it was grass. Now you can order and buy carpet of grass. If you not, you see your grass isn't growing, it's not green as it should be anymore. The 5G is the reason why. It has been documented. Even trees that are within a certain radius of those 5G cell towers, they are dying. The grass is dying. The grass isn't green anymore. It's just looking like, hey, this is the price that we're paying for what we thought was progress. 
high speed telecommunications, we thought it was progress. And we're finding out now there is a downside. And it's not what we thought. And the environment is suffering, and so are we because of it. So this is what 5G has in store for us. So I've shared the article in the chat room. You can find it there. Also, if you look, visit the Exceptional Scribble Show. Go on Facebook. Visit our fan page. We have a community page that is our radio show's fan page. Go to it. Type in into the search engine bar, the Exceptional Scribble Show, and you will find the study reference links are in the pinned post. We have a pinned post. Here's information about the show. And it also has the study reference links. Now there's one more study reference link and I'm gonna have Warriors Queens of Port Thelman also share because we need to know these things. The source is Henry M. Jackson, the School of International Studies the College of Arts and Sciences, the University of Washington, Seattle, Washington. And here's the article that we'll be reviewing. What will 5G mean for the environment? The author of this article is Claire Curran. Curran is spelled C as in Pat, U as in Ulysses, R as in Rachel, R as in Renee, A as in Abraham, and N as in Nancy Curran. Claire C-L-A-I-R-E, Curran. So we're going to just read just a little of that article. And then I'm going, going to hear from Warriorist Queens of Port Thelman, our show's host. Co-host, I'm sorry. <laughs> our show's co-host. And she's going to share something. Um, if she has any comments, if she has any questions, or if she has any remarks about what was shared so far, maybe something additional that she may want to share to further enhance this open forum discussion. That's what we're having at this time, an open forum discussion. And the new article is entitled, What Will 5G Mean for the Environment? This article is by the author Claire Curran, and it starts here. What is 5G? And it goes into increased energy usage of the 5G network. That's where we are now. The whole aim of the new 5G network is to allow for more devices to be used by the consumer at faster rates than ever before. Because of this goal, there will certainly be an increase in energy usage globally. Energy usage is one of the main contributors to climate change today. And an increase in energy usage will cause climate change to increase drastically as well. 5G will operate on a higher frequency portion of the spectrum to open new space for more devices. The smaller size of the millimeter waves compared to radio frequency waves allows for more data to be shared more quickly and creates a wide bandwidth that can support much larger tasks. While the idea of more space for devices to be used is great for consumers, this will lead to a spike in energy usage for two reasons. The technology itself is energy demanding and will increase demand for more electronic devices. The ability for more devices to be used on the same network creates more incentive 
for consumers to buy electronics and use them more often. This will have a harmful impact on the environment through increased energy use. Climate change has several underlying contributors. However, energy usage is gaining attention in its severity with regards to perpetuating climate change. Before 5G has even been released, about 2% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions can be attributed to the ICT industry. While 2% may not seem like a very large portion, it translates to around 860 million tons of greenhouse gas emissions. Greenhouse gas emissions are the main contributors to natural disasters, such as flooding and drought, which are increasing severity and occurrence every year. Currently, roughly 85% of the energy used in the United States can be attributed to fossil fuel consumption. The dwindling availability of fossil fuels and the environmental burden of releasing these fossil fuels into our atmosphere signal an immediate need to shift to other energy sources. Without a shift to other forms of energy production and the addition of technology allowed by the implementation of 5G, the strain on our environment will rise and the damage may never be repaired. With an increase in energy usage through technology and the implementation of 5G, it can be expected that the climate change issues faced today will only increase. The overall contribution of carbon dioxide emissions from the ICT industry has a huge impact on climate change and will continue to have even larger impacts without proper action. In a European Union report, researchers estimated that in order to keep the increase in global temperature below 2 degrees Celsius, a decrease in carbon emissions of around 15 to 30% is necessary by 2020. Engineers claim that the, smart, that the small cells used to provide the 5G connection will be energy efficient and powered in a sustainable way. However, the maintenance and production of these cells is more of an issue. Supporters of the 5G network advocate that the small cells will use solar or wind energy to stay sustainable and green. These devices labeled fuel cell energy servers will work as clean energy-based generators for the small cells, while implementing base stations that use sustainable energy to function would be a step in the right direction in environmental conservation. It is not the solution to the main issue caused by 5G, which is the impact that the massive amount of new devices in the hands of consumers will have on the amount of energy required to power these devices. We got a lot of information here and there's no way I can serve you all of it at this time because I have so many others but again that's one of the articles and it's by the author's name is Claire Corinne and it is by from the Henry M. Jackson School of International Studies University of Washington they're responsible for the publishing 
and the distributing of this article as published in the and featured in their um, magazine or journal. So we just want to keep in mind the birds as well. If you haven't noticed, not too many birds are in the skies flying around like they used to before the 5G towers were widespread. I'm noticing less birds in the sky, in the air. They are um, more so on the ground. That's not a good sign. That's against what's natural or normal, right? We need to pay attention to that. Also, the grass not thriving, not being as lush and green, not growing as healthy. Now we have to give it a lot of minerals and nutrients. We have to enrich the soil with potassium. A lot of people are um, doing the natural organic compost and using bananas and using Himalayan salt because the potassium, okay, enriches the soil. And the soil has been depleted of its natural organic minerals, right? And this is 5G radiation, harmful side effects, people, in case you didn't know. Want to make sure you're not ignorant of that. So, Warriors Queen, Zipporah Thalman, welcome. Warriors Queen, Zipporah Thalman, welcome. Hi, uh, I say, I say, how are you? I am well, and um, just trying to share as much information as possible. Because I know we're on to 11. Um, but anything that you would like to add to this open forum discussion as for enrichment would be well received and much appreciated. I just want to make sure that people understand and understand and understand the fact being that 5G radiation is a threat. It is not friendly. It is a threat to us. And because our city, for those of us who reside in the city of Philadelphia, it is a 5G city now. It was declared a 5G city by Verizon in March of 2020. And if you can think about it, that's when um, COVID-19 began to spread like wildfire. There is a link. Mm -hmm. 5G radiation literally does weaken us. It weakens ourselves. And it robs our bodies and cells of a lot of natural, a lot of its natural resistance power and the things that are its nutrients. So one thing that we got to keep in mind is we have to start supplementing in terms of herbs. We have to start supplementing because that is the, the best way we can reinforce our body's natural defenses to fight against this threat of 5G radiation. So I shared just a couple of articles tonight. There's so many more and I do have them listed in the, um, they are listed in the chat room. Um, there's also an excellent article and the source is Palo Alto Online and it's their news um, segment of their paper and the article is entitled guest dependent is 5g cell towers are coming to your neighborhood 
And I really would love to share just a few lines from that because the 5G cell towers are already in the city of Philly. We've been declared a 5G city since March of 2020. And Verizon, thanks to Verizon, they made it possible. <laughs> and I'm sure they cashed in big time for that. Now, I just want to share something. However, this is something we need to know. What is the noise standard for fans cooling the WCFs? These fans can operate as much as 24-7. Draft P-A-W-O specifies 60 decibels, DBAs, equivalent to restaurant conversation or an air conditioning unit at 100 feet. Mill Valley requires 50 DBAs, one half as loud as 60 DBAs, Los Altos mandates 45 DBAs, okay? So, of course, you have a big, big stadium. You know you got to have a sound system that's going to be accommodating for when those um, highlights need to be announced. You know, when something spectacular happened during the game, when those star players, you know, they made those major hits, et cetera, and et cetera. Um, you got to have the right powered system. So we're relying on the 5G also for that. What is 5G? Unlike the prior 2G, 2G and 4G wireless devices, which use longer microwaves, 5G uses shorter millimeter waves, which operate at higher frequencies and pulsation levels. So, yes, that's going to affect our by our biosphere, our bodies, right? It operates at higher frequencies and pulsation levels. Because these milliwaves are short, they do not travel as far. And 5G, um, 4G WCFs need to be closer to homes and businesses than previous taller cell towers. So when you talk about 5G, remember, they're not those long microwaves. They're those shorter millimeter waves. So that's why they're so close to our houses, our schools, and our businesses, because that's how they're operating now for wireless. And guess what? That puts us more at risk. We're more at risk now to those radio frequency emissions, which are cause cancer causing. Mm. Now, turn small cell these emit nearly the same radiation as older, larger 4G cell towers, some experts state. In addition, 5G WCFs generate more heat than 4G WCFs. To prevent fire hazards, 5G WCFs are commonly installed with cooling fans that may run 24-7 to reduce fan noise to meet decibel levels required by city contracts. The wireless providers can add noise reducing devices. They can do it. But keep in mind, there's a price that we pay. We want things to be faster now. We wanna you know, be able to telecommunicate at a faster speed, the internet be able to connect and um, have Zoom meetings and all with people from all around and everything that happens so fast, then you need a broader bandwidth. 
And think about it, the more usage, the more we're using these millimeter waves, microwaves, the more at risk our environment becomes. Our bodies, which is our physical environment, as well as the birds, the trees, and the bees. And we were wondering why the bees were vanishing. Some thought it was just the GMO crops. No, 5G radiation. Radio frequency emissions. So we need to do the homework. There's a lot of research that's been done. Many, many articles. I came across several and I tried to share as much as I could. And this information, this is valid. This is documented. Okay. We even had the science community concerned. Worried about 5G's health effects? Some people say don't be. Some people think 5G frequencies are not more harmful than other types of electromagnetic radiation, like visible light. So we're going to hear another perspective. I'm just going to share a little, and then Warriorist Queen. Um, whatever you may want to contribute as well. We just want to make sure people are well endowed with information mm -hmm. tonight. So there's an article by Clint Finley, which is a business resource article, paper, and it's the WIRE. It's called W-I-R-E-D, WIRE. And this by Clint Finley, and this is the business segment. Worried about 5G's health effects, it says don't be. There's little reason to think 5G's frequencies are any more harmful than any other types of electromagnetic radiation like visible light. Even as carriers around the world race to build 5G networks, some government officials are reaching for the throttle, citing fears that the new generation of wireless technology could pose health risks. Earlier this year, the Portland, Oregon City Council passed a resolution asking the Federal Communications Commission to update its research into potential health risks of 5G. In 2013, the American Academy of Pediatrics made a similar request to the FCC about its research on cell phone use more generally. In May, Louisiana's House of Rep <laughs> Representatives passed a resolution calling for the state Department of Environment Quality and Department of Health to study the environmental and health effects of 5G. Meanwhile, a few Bay Area towns, including Mill Valley and Sebastopol, want to block carriers from building 5G infrastructure. The impending rollout of 5G technology will require the installation of hundreds of thousands of, of small cell sites in neighborhoods and communities throughout the country. And these installations will emit higher frequency radio waves than previous generations of cellular technology. U.S. Representative Pito DeFazio, and he's a Democrat of Oregon, wrote in a letter to the FCC echoing concerns about the new technologies involved with 5G. There are real concerns about the way 5G is being deployed in the US 
including security issues, the potential to interfere with weather forecasting systems, and the FCC steamrolling local regu regulators in the name of accelerating the 5G rollout. But concerns over the potential health impacts of 5G are overblown. If you weren't worried about prior generations of cellular service causing cancer, 5G doesn't produce much new to worry about. And you probably didn't need to be worried before. Few 5G services will use higher frequencies in the near term, and there's little reason to think these frequencies are any more harmful than other types of electromagnetic radiation, such as visible light. Most concerns about health impacts from 5G stem from millimeter wave technology. High frequency radio waves that are supposed to deliver speeds. The catch is that millimeter wave transmissions are far less reliable at long distances than transmissions using the lower frequencies that mobile carriers have traditionally used. To provide reliable, ubiquitous 5G service over millimeter wave frequencies, carriers will need a larger number of smaller access points. So that is, as I shared, another perspective. We're looking at a different take on 5G and what risks are involved. Now, from that perspective, it's saying 5G is harmless, not harmful, or it's just as harmless as visible light. Mm. I don't know about that, but I'm just sharing. So that's another article. So Warrior is Queen, I'm going to ask, do you have anything that you want to share to contribute on the topic? And our topic, I'll read for you for our open forum discussion tonight happens to be a moment 5g radiation its side effects on humanity and the environment but our focus is healing and we're going to definitely go into that and i'm going to break from the topic at this time after warrior's queen you give some input or insight thank you the mic is now in your hands all right, how SH? Well, let me say this. I picked, you know, what I after I had read tonight's topic, and I had wrote, you know, my viewpoints about it. And again, the energy connected. Wonderful. <laughs> All right. Yes. All right. So to answer, you know, to talk about, you know, the five G issue. I'm going to become shamanist support Thelman. All right, first I'm going to talk about yeah. the information about uh, the 5G information. This is from Robert, quote unquote, Woody Woodart. He's a WRD caller who was on at the Paul Hopkins show. And here's what was said. Number one, the 5G boxes are killing brain neurons. Number two, 6G boxes are already in China, shaped like a hand, ready to grab you. Mm. Number three, the 5G boxes affect the hormones in the endocrine system. 
And number four, watch radiation exposure. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to, uh, yeah, now, uh, um, do you have any questions or comments about what I just said, Sage? No, I'm very delighted that you shared all of those facts because they are definitely things that we need to be made aware of as a community. Thank you. All right, Galili, you're welcome. All right, now I'm going to tell uh, some medicines. Number one, wear a Shungite stones bracelet or wristband, and Shungite is found in Shunga, Russia. All right, next are herbs. All right, I have two herbs. Number one is red clover, is a blood cleanser. Drink the tea daily, which means once a day, or take the vitamins, you know, one or two times a day with meals. And I'm going to read, you know, what the red clover blossoms, you know, further does. The gentle blood cleanser supports healthy phytoestrogen levels. And the bottle says, red clover is recommended by herbalists to enhance the cleansing action of the liver and kidneys and to support a healthy lymphatic system. Now, the lymphatic system is your body's sewer system, which uh, means it does not have a pump, so it moves when the body moves. And that's why it's important to sweat. And when you sweat, that means that you're removing all that poison and all toxins. All right, so back to the, uh, the bottle's information. Furthermore, red clover mm. is a source of beneficial phytoestrogens, which promote menopausal health and comfort. Common uses include promotes healthy blood and liver function, supports healthy lymphatic system, supports healthy estrogen levels, menopausal health, supports immune system, which is real important. As long as you keep your immune system built up, it kills sicknesses. All right, back to the bottle. Women's herbal tonic soothes as general diuretic, promotes respiratory health, and promotes healthy skin. And the instructions on this bottle is from Nature's Wonderland. And there's 60 V caps, which stands for veggie caps. 450 milligrams, and the other ingredients are plant cellulose, which is V capsules, V caps, and the directions say, as an addition to the diet, take one or two capsules three times daily with water at mealtime. All right, that's very clover. All right, the second vitamin is called alfalfa vitamins and they protect from electronics. You take six vitamins daily, you know, which means a day. And I have a list, and this is from Dr. Paul's traditional blood cleansing herb list, and it's found on his website, www.thepaulherbs, which is one word, dot com. For Dr. Paul appointments, call 1-877-377-2854 or 215-779-7355. Always check with your healthcare professional before taking any herbs, especially if you are taking medication, pregnant or nursing. Non-attendance to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent in disease. 
just food for your soul. Just quote, food for your soul, end quote. You pick one and work with that herb. So here are the list of herbs, and it's uh, three columns. Uh, starting off with parsley, burdock root, chaparral, podiarco, which is spelled P as in Paul, A-U as in umbrella, uh, capital letter D as in dig, apostrophe, and arco, capital letter A-R-C-O. Red clover, buja, which is spelled T like Thomas, H as in Harry, U as in umbrella, J as in Jerry, and A as in apple. Next is sheep sorrel, and that's spelled sheep like the animal that says by. And the last word, the second word is spelled S as in sit, O as in owl, R as in Rita, R as in Rita again, E as in Earl, and L as in Larry. <clears throat> Next is bloodroot, that's one word, black seed bitters, cape owls, spelled C-A-P as in Paul E, like the superhero cape, cleavers, like the Indian cleavers, Indian hemp, Second word is spelled H-E-M as in Matt, P as in Paul. Garlic slash onion. Black root. Dandelion. And dandelion is a very strong herb that can break through concrete. Sarsaparilla, which is in root beer soda. Sea moss. Kelp. Chlorella, which is spelled C-H. L-O-R-E-L-L-A. Purple deuce, second word spelled D as in dog, U-L-S-E. Seaweed, zinc, humic acid, spelled H as in Harry, U-M as in Matt, I as in I, C as in cat. Acid, spelled A as in apple, C as in cat, I as in ice, D as in dig. Fovic acid, spelled S as in Frank, U as in Umbrella, L as in Larry, V as in Victor, I as in Ice, C as in Cat, Acid spelled A as in Apple, C as in Cat, I as in Ice, D as in Dig, MSM spelled, there's a letter spelled M as in Mary, S as in Sit, M as in Mary, and that is a uh, MSM is a flake, so I'm going to explain it. I'm going to get the explanation together because I know what it is. What does it's a uh, it feeds it's an herb that feeds you know the cells the body cells so it's a uh, it's a um, it's natural sulfur that's what it is all right next is coral calcium spelled C O R A L and then the second word calcium and got um, be sure to get the one that's from you know Japan and on the bottle it'll, uh, it'll say about uh, being from Japan. All right, next is Sincona, spelled C as in cat, I as in ice, E as in Nancy, C as in cat, H as in Harry, O as in onion, N as in Nancy, A as in apple. Next is olive leaf slash hyssop. Second earth spelled H as in Harry, Y as in yellow, S as in sit, S as in sit, O as in onion, P as in Peter. Next is wood root. Tonic. Next is Bessevera, spelled B as in bag, I as in ice, S as in sit, S as in sit, I as in ice, 
V as in Victor, E as in Earl, R as in Rita, A as in Apple, Frankincense, Myrrh, which is spelled M as in Mary, Y as in Yellow, R as in Rita, R as in Rita, again, H as in Harry, Yellow Dock, Ginger, Ginseng, Cheney Root, first word spelled C as in Cat, H as in Harry, A as in Apple, N as in Nancy, E as in Earl, Y as in Yellow, Golden Seal Root, Molen, and Molen spelled M as in Mary, U as in Umbrella, L as in Larry, L as in Larry, E as in Earl, I as in Ice, N as in Nancy, and Molen is for Vitilago. Our next is Osha Root, also known as the Bear Herb, I mean, sorry, sorry, Bear Medicine, and it's for parasites and HIV slash AIDS. And the folklore, the indigenous folklore behind Osha Root is that in the winter time, after hibernation, the bears would eat the Osha Root herb and also rub it on their fur to kill the, uh, I mean, I'm start over, according to the indigenous folklore, the bears would eat the Osha Root herb to kill the parasites inside and rub the herb on their fur to kill the parasites on the outside. All right, back to the herb root. Herb list. Go to cola. That's good for the memory. Usnia, spelled U S N as in Nancy, E as in Earl, A as in Apple. Black elderberry, which is good for diabetes. Neem, spelled N E E M, N as in Nancy, E as in Earl, E as in Earl again, M as in Matt. And neem is uh, is you yeah. use a toothpaste to tighten your gums. Mm -hmm. Moringa, mm -hmm. now that's an herb that's like a forever tree. Yeah. Oregano, spell O as an onion, R as in Rita, E as an Earl, G as in green, A as an apple, N as in Nancy, O as an onion. L lysine, spell L as in Larry, dash L as in Larry again, Y as in yellow, S as in sit, I as in ice, N as in Nancy, E as in Earl. Next is glutathione, spelled G as in go, L, U, T as in Todd, A as in apple, T as in Todd, H as in Harry, I as in ice, O as in Al, N as in Nancy, E as in Earl. Alpha lipoic acid, spelled A, L, P as in Paul, H as in Harry, A as in apple, lipoic L. Larry, I as an ice, P as in Paul, O as an onion, I as an ice, C as in cat, acid, A as an apple, C as in cat, I as an ice, D as in dig, hibiscus, M, M, S, M as in Matt, M as in Matt again, S as in sit, cherry, mm -hmm. bark syrup, cat's claw, sage, that's a very strong herb, Strong back, then vitamins C as in cat, A as in apple, D as in dig, and B12. Turmeric, CoQ10, alfalfa, milk thistle, mugwort, mahogany bark, goldenrod, chicory, germanium, cum free. 
calendula, chickweed, echinacea, horsetail, indigo, nettle, white oak bark, oak spell O-A-K, O is an onion, A is an apple, K is in kite, pygium spell P as in Peter, Y as in yellow, G as in go, E as in Earl, U as an umbrella, M as in mat, African bird pepper, and worm wood. All right, the end of this herb list. Very good, very good. Um, some of the herbs that you may mention of, I know about, but not all of them. And it was good to get a, a long list of these, a variety of healing herbs that will definitely help the body to heal once you've been exposed, you know, to this radiation. Because now the majority of our major cities are declared 5G cities. So, um, those who live and reside in those cities, you're you're gaining, you're getting exposed to these harmful radio radio frequency emissions at a high level um, because it's so concentrated concentrated now. These towers where they have them uh, located, they're very widespread now, especially in these major cities that are five G cities. So we have to. Restore our bodies and our cells are suffering. You know, our cells are dying at a um, more higher alarming rate than what's normal because of it. So that's why we have to work overtime to supplement and take herbs to heal, you know, so that we can heal and our body cells can be regenerated and restored. And it's a process, it's not an overnight success. It's a process that means you have to be diligent and you have to be consistent each day, each week. And hibiscus, um, a lot of people are drinking it now and tea, uh, drinking it as tea now. Uh, and that's definitely helpful. Also calendula. And a lot of these are wildflowers. Some of you have them growing in your yard and you just don't recognize them because you've never really studied them to know what they are. But a lot of people have calendula. Um, I think it's yellow bark or something like that. Yellow um, dot. Yarrow or something. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, yellow dot, that's it. Burdock root, burdock root. Mm -hmm. um, dandelion, which is, is, is very mm -hmm. powerful as well. Because we're talking about things that'll cleanse your system from your blood mm -hmm. to your liver. Dandelion is known to help detox the liver. Mm -hmm. um, and once your liver is functioning well <laughs> and working properly, mm -hmm. your immunity is, um, you know, will be thriving. So we do right. need to maintain mm -hmm. a healthy liver. Milk thistle also helps with that. Mm -hmm. And rose hips. There's certain things, especially for women's health as well, because of the fact these um, radio frequency emissions mm -hmm. are harmful on our reproductive system. And they were mm -hmm. also saying that could be why um, women are having as many children these days as women used to mm -hmm. years ago. They said, 
you know, in the teens. <laughs> um, so in the double digits. So we got to take it into consideration as environmental. I always knew it was environment. And um, um, skull cap, I don't care about because I don't think that was made mention of skull cap as a herb, mm -hmm. but it's known to help remove harsh metals from your body. And we know that um, there's a lot in the air that's, um, you know, we're breathing in, as well as that which is in the water, mercury, you name it, that are harsh mm -hmm. um, metals, aluminum, things mm -hmm. like that. But the um, herb known as skullcap, that's very, very um, good. You can get it in liquid form where you can add it to your water. You can add it mm -hmm. to your um, drinks. Okay, like your <clears throat> orange juice, mm -hmm. your natural juices, you're going to add them to. But that'll just further enhance um, how well, but skull cap is the name of the herb. Mm -hmm. And also, and this is uh, uh, Warriors, Queens, the poor, and Sage, I want to add too, is that when you take tonics, tonics bound, you know, bind to the toxins and pull them out in your body. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Get a tonic form. Mm -hmm. And you can actually, those, all those herbs, you can literally, some of them you can combine to make mm -hmm. a um, tonic that you can drink, whether it's mm -hmm. in a tea form or mm -hmm. just, you know, with water, liquid, you know. But it will definitely help. And I'm going to read a little information about skull cap. Skull cap mm -hmm. is Native American. It is a Native American mm -hmm. plant. The dried leaves and stems are used as an herbal medication and in teas to treat anxiety, stress, insomnia, and also it is known to heal the liver. And it is used in combination with other botanicals, which would mean plants and flowers. Skullcap is a flowering perennial plant native to North America. It's been used for centuries by Native Americans to treat even menstrual disorders. So we're dealing with the female reproductive uh, system now. Nervousness, digestive, and kidney problems. The name skullcap refers to the flower's resemblance to helmets, which were worn by European soldiers. Skullcap was used formerly for nervous disorders, also to treat hysteria, nervous tension, epilepsy, and chorea. It is now used largely as a sedative and a sleeping pill as well, often in combination with other yep, herbs such as valerian. I'm very familiar with that for sleeping. Mm -hmm. Skull cap mm -hmm. extracts are prepared from the aerial parts of the scutellaria lateriflora plant and contain large amounts of flavonoids, including scotellarin and basilin which are believed to be the active components accounting for its sedative and anti-spermotic activity. It is thought that the flavonoid compounds may act as gamma amino butyric acid, G-A-B-A, agonists similar to the benzodiazepines. There are more than 200 species of it, as well as potential toxicities. Skullcap is available as a powder, 
to preparing tea as a liquid solution and in capsules. Um, there was one last thing. Uh, and of course, um, with anything, you gotta know what you're doing with mixing herbs because not all herbs are supposed to be taken together. So you wanna mm -hmm. um, consult with a herbalist and that would be helpful to you. And wait till you see a picture where you was queen of squall cat. It is definitely mm -hmm. indigenous to North America. You've seen this particular herb growing in people's yards. As I was saying earlier, a lot of people don't know what's in their yards. Even some right. people don't even know that dandelion is so mm -hmm. very um, helpful as a healer. Um, it literally does help to heal the liver. It's, and um, some people actually use it and sprinkle it onto solids, like we would do oregano and other mm -hmm. herbs like basil. Um, people do that with dandelion. So, um, and once it's dried, you know, you can use it in tea as well. And the flower itself, you know, it is edible. Mm -hmm. You know, once it's cleaned and cleans off, it is edible. But it is a very potent herb with a lot mm -hmm. of good um, healing um, potential. So I'm, I'm gonna share just a little about dandelion too, because a lot of us have it growing in our mm -hmm. yard and we don't even realize um, the benefit of having it. <clears throat> One moment, because it is medicinal. Mm -hmm. I'm just waiting one moment, but I just want to make sure that we're, you know, informing our listening audience because a lot of times people don't know the benefits of different wildflowers. Yes, right. <laughs> the wildflowers that we see growing and we are so quick to call them weeds, but we don't realize <laughs> they have a lot of good um, healing uh, properties. Um, of course, Dandelion is an antioxidant. It works to neutralize the harmful effects of free radicals. Mm -hmm. uh, the human body produces free radicals naturally, but they cause harm by accelerating aging or the progression of certain diseases. Dandelion contains beta carotene, which is an antioxidant that helps protect cells from damage. Uh, research shows that Carotenoids such as beta carotene play a vital role in reducing cell damage. So the flower of the dandelion is also full of polyphenols, which are another type of antioxidant. Um, dandelion is also, um, it contains bioactive compounds that help lower a person's cholesterol. It also is used to regulate blood sugar there is some evidence to suggest that dandelions contain compounds that may help with regulating blood sugar, um, reducing inflammation. Um, they conducted the study in cells and not in human participants, which means that more studies are necessary to conclude that dandelion reduces inflammation in the human body. It lowers blood pressure, aids with weight loss, reduces cancer risk. Um, studies have over have looked at dandelion's impact on cancer growth in test tubes 
found that it may help with slowing the growth of colon cancer, pancreatic cancer, and liver cancer. Yes, it's known to heal the liver. Boosting the immune system, aiding digestion, and keeping the skin healthy. A lot of lotions and creams for the skin now contain dandelion in them, um, which is very good. Some research indicates that dandelion helps protect the skin from sun damage. As for the ultraviolet light, it causes considerable damage to the skin, um, which contributes to aging. So dandelion prevents that. And there was skin cells in the test tube found that dandelion reduced the impact of the damaging UV light. So protecting the skin from UV damage is what dandelion can do. And that helps a person's skin look younger. Yep. Mm -hmm. A lot of information on dandelion. Um, they are rich in nutrients and can be a healthy addition to a person's diet as for a deli supplement. Yes, indeed. So just again, I want to reiterate, we have been lied to. We've been told dandelions are weeds and they need to be <laughs> pulled up from the root and thrown out. No, they don't. They need to be cleaned off pulled up from the root, cleaned off, dried, and you can use them because they have a lot of healing properties within them. And they're good in teas as well. Good for the liver. And they are loaded with vitamins and minerals and fiber. Dandelion greens, also the green part, they can be eaten, cooked, or raw and serve as an excellent source of vitamins A, C, and K. They also contain vitamin E, folate, and small amounts of other vitamin B. That's the dandelion. So for some reason, I don't know why, but the wildflower called the dandelion is getting a lot of attention tonight. We're, giving it <laughs> We're putting it in the spotlight. We're giving it the spotlight. So again, you can eat dandelions, the green um, part of the dandelion. You can make a salad from that. You can saute the greens. That would eliminate some of the bitterness, it says. You can make dandelion fritters. Collect the flower heads and wash them. You can bake the dandelion petals. And you can make dandelion coffee or dandelion tea out of the dandelion root. <laughs> so those are five ways to eat dandelion. Okay, so Warriors Queen, was there anything else that you wanted to share?
Uh, that's all, you know, regard, you know, for the, uh, you know, the medicines about, you know, the 5G. So I am going to uh, move on and uh, start um, free publishing information hour. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. So, and whatever you don't get is. a chance to share, mm -hmm. just to um, um, you know, share with you whatever you may not have a chance to share tonight, we can always pick it up on next week, and we'll start approximately mm -hmm. exactly at nine. We did have a little mm -hmm. late launch tonight, um, but mm -hmm. we're working through the kinks with the live streaming. How mm -hmm. mm -hmm. All right, so I'm going to start. As the Anoyini on. good evening, everyone. I am Warriors Queen Zipporah Thelman, co-hostess of the Exceptional Scribble Show, and I will begin the free publishing information hour with my writing advice and discoveries, which are the following three. Number one, artists keep evolving life. Number two, Art is misunderstood from people that are unable to connect to it. And number three, art will find and attach to people that love it. I will now take its questions and comments. Okay, um, could you repeat that last statement about art? Sure. Number three, art will find and attach to people that love it. Mm. Art mm -hmm. will find and attach to people that love it. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm moving on to the next section, which is publishing information. And I'm starting with the meaning of Mariah Carey memoir. Publishing Insights. Number one, page 33. I had done astonishingly well as a new artist, parentheses, who had written her own songs, in parentheses. Number two, page 39. Singing was a form of escapism, escapism for me, and writing was a form of processing. Number three, page 103. But now that I'd had a taste of making demos, I knew I needed to get my own songs down and quickly. I figured out the setup. And number four, page 336. If I have learned anything in this life worth sharing, it is protect your dreams. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotta do it. Mm -hmm. All right, next, I'm moving on to articles. And there are three, and they're from writersdigest.com. All right, the first article is titled, Writer Mistakes Writers Make Trying to Write for Everyone. The Writers Digest team has witnessed many writer mistakes over the years, so we started this series to help identify them for other writers, along with correction strategies. This week's writer mistake writers make is trying to write for everyone. 
by Robert Lee Brewer dated March 5th, 2021. Everyone makes mistakes, even writers, but that's okay because each mistake is a great learning opportunity. The Writer's Digest team has witnessed many mistakes over the years, so we started this series to help identify them early in the process. Note, the mistakes in this series aren't focused on grammar rules, though we offer help in that area as well. Rather, we're looking at bigger picture mistakes and mishaps, including the error of using too much exposition, which means a comprehensive description and explanation of an idea or theory in the definition back to the article, neglecting research or researching too much. This week's writing mistake writers make is trying to write for everyone. And the word starting at trying and ending at everyone is the key sentence. There are times when common sense would direct us to take one action when another action is actually better. And the word starting at there and ending at better is the key sentence. Such is the case when thinking about who your target audience is. Common sense will probably lead a writer to think that the best target audience is the largest audience, so write for everyone. However, writing for everyone is often the same as writing for nobody. And the word starting at however and ending at nobody is the key sentence. Who is your target reader? If you're writing nonfiction, think of it this way. It doesn't make sense to include a bunch of new recipes in a book about the history of automobiles. A biography on a former president probably isn't the place for step-by-step how-to instructions. And if it does include instructions, then it's probably not going to provide the typical treatment expected in a presidential biography. If I try to do both, it would come out a muddled mess. And muddled means confusion. In the definition, back to the article. If you're writing fiction, think of it this way. A novel can't be written for people who want a lighthearted romance and an edge-of-your-seat horror. While romance and horror could conceivably be combined, lighthearted and edge-of-your-seat are polar opposites. Even if it starts one way and ends the other, it's impossible to maintain both throughout. And that's okay. Writing for a specific audience is okay. In fact, the better you can define your audience, the better your chances of finding success. And the word starting in and adding that success is the key sentence. Mistake fix. Define your target audience. This can seem like a chicken-egg scenario for some writers. Which came first, the target audience or the book idea? Luckily, it's okay if both evolve together. In fact, many successful writers take both routes. And the word starting at luckily and in that roots is the key sentence. For the book idea, whether fiction or nonfiction, it's okay if the author thinks, hey, this would be a great idea for a book. And the word starting at for and in that book is the key sentence. In this scenario, the author is probably right that they're on to a great idea but they can then define their idea and target audience by taking the following steps. Identify where the book, book would be shelved in a bookstore or library. If you're writing a novel, is it a romance, horror, mystery? If nonfiction, where would it go? Walk around a bookstore and think, where would this be shelved? And yes, you have to pick a section 
and can't just say it would go in the front of the store. And the word started and and in that store is the key sentence. Identify the age of your readers. Are you writing for children, young adults, parents, grandparents, retirees? List out anything of special interest to your audience. If you're writing a science fiction novel, this means identifying what kind of science fiction they like. In your future, space travel, time travel. If you're writing nonfiction, try to peg down possible hobbies, incomes, etc. And if you don't have a great book idea or have several book ideas, it's okay to identify your audience before assembling the book idea. For instance, I authored a book of poetry prompts titled Smash Poetry Journal after identifying a need for a, quote, fun prompt book specifically for poets, end quote. My target wasn't to write a serious book for academics. It was for people who would not only accept but celebrate the use of, quote, poemy, end quote, as a verb. That's a specific audience, and that audience guided the process of writing and marketing the book. And the words start at my, and in that book is the key sentence. So keep that in mind when you're looking to publish and sell your writing. It's okay if you started writing without any comprehension, which means the action or capability of understanding something in the definition, back to the article, of who your audience would be. But now that it's time to get published, figure out who your readers are. It will make it that much easier to get your book in their hands. And the word starting is so in internet hands is the key sentence. You're an author on a tight budget, or maybe you've got some money, but you're tired of wasting it on marketing that didn't work. You've poured everything into writing your book, hoping to move thousands of readers with your words. You've dreamed, hoped, maybe even prayed that your book sales would take off. But that reality has yet to come true. It doesn't seem fair for your dream to die just because you don't have thousands of dollars to spend on marketing. Is selling a lot of books only reserved for the elite authors with big budgets? No. And word starting it is an internet no is the key sentence. And here's another key sentence I found. You've poured everything into writing your book, hoping to move thousands of readers with your words. How All right. The end of this article, I will now take its questions and comments. Um, one thing that stood out with me is in reference to wanting to be published and having an article that's ready. Um, again, I use the terminology preparedness is essential. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we prepare less and we desire more and that's not the way it goes you know you got to prepare more the more prepared you are then in terms of your success it will be good it will be big or major but you got to prepare preparedness is Mm -hmm. essential and i think with regards to becoming a published writer it takes you first of all just writing just writing and writing and writing and then um, discovering who you can rely upon to be your proofreader to have a good proofreader one no more than two 
And then you have someone that you can bounce off ideas with. So once your proofreading is finished, you allow them to read through because maybe there's something left out. And that person usually is somebody that's like a minor. They're able to dig and, and do it in a, a clever um, way where what's supposed to be seen, they'll be able to detect what's not there and say, this is what you want there. Because that'll help highlight and bold what it is that you're saying. Or that'll add to or further enhance or embellish what you desire to be outstanding about your writing. So it's always good to have a team, a team, people that you can rely on. And um, when it comes to the actual publisher, you want to have done your research. Mm -hmm. Just like the article pretty much says, you know, you want to have that choice publisher because you know what they see is what you write. Mm -hmm. And if they haven't yet published a genre that you write, you want your writings to be so well written where they'll consider mm -hmm. adding that genre just mm -hmm. from the influence after they read you, what you wrote, it, it affected them in such a way where they're like, you know, I can afford to add this genre because I really enjoyed what this person mm -hmm. wrote and the genre that they wrote. So, yeah, something to consider. And I know you discussed it in the past about having a person forward. All right, what was that, Sage? Um, I'm sorry, not having a person forward, just any person, but having mm -hmm. someone that has credentials to write a forward mm -hmm. or a book that you want published. Mm -hmm. Having them to read your manuscript and then having them to maybe do the forward or to do mm -hmm. um, some remarks, maybe some remarks that you could actually have printed um, where it was a statement or phrase or quote by them after they read your book, how it affected them. Mm -hmm. Right. I have read, you know, forwards, you know, in books, so. Mm -hmm. All right, well, I'm going to uh, move on to the next article, also from Writer's Digest, and this is titled, My Curiosity is the Mainspring of Successful Fiction. Are you having trouble getting into the writing flow? Let author Graham Hurley tell you how to use curiosity to unlock your story. And this is dated July 1st, 2021. <clears throat> Writing, when it works properly, draws on the, all the age-old sources of storytelling, enchantment, the magic of spells, and that mysterious process that can bust you out of the cage of being you and extend an irresistible invitation to become someone else. 
and the words starting at that and ending at else is the key sentence. We've all felt it, that touch of the narrator's extended hand when you settle into a book's opening paragraph, that beckoning finger, that slow nod of the head in a particular direction. You read on, you get to the end of the first chapter, you're starting to collude, which means cooperate in a secret or unlawful way in order to deceive or gain an advantage over others. End of definition, back to the article. And the writer's bid to kidnap just a little of your inner self. In short, you're hooked. And why? Because you want to know what happens next. And worse than that, because and in that next is the key sentence. That surrender to the sorcery of storytelling depends, says me, on a single word. That word is curiosity. Yours as the willing, a.k.a. curious reader. And mine as the puppet master behind every, each turn of the page responsible for character, plot, intrigue, tension, and the thousand other narrative tricks to rope your body and soul and deliver you to the book's final page. And the word starting at that and ending that page is the key sentence. None of that stuff happens by accident. It happens because you, the reader, buy into my fiction, believe the characters who carry the plot, and care enough about them to pledge your attention and support to wherever their journey takes them. And the word starting at it and ending at them is the key sentence. That, believe me, isn't an easy spell to cast. Like many writers, I caught the virus young. By the time I made it to university, I'd written five novels. They were all to one degree or another about me, and they were all mercifully unpublished. I still have a drawer full of publishers' letters to mark that apprenticeship, and I can still taste the bitterness of serial rejection. But after university, I had the good fortune of going into television, and within a year or so, I was researching documentaries, which turned out to be the perfect training for something I'd so far been getting so, so wrong. And the word starting at I and in that wrong is the key sentence. Why? Because every day working in TV, I was out there looking for stories. Stories mean people. And the word starting at stories and ending at people is the key sentence. Old, young, difficult, beguiling, which means charming or enchanting, often in a deceptive way. In the definition, back to the article, shy, noisy, or just plain odd. Without them, the stories would never make it anywhere near a screen. And so it was my job to get alongside them, to make them, like me, to clamber into their heads and their hearts, in short, to win their trust and try and figure out what it was like to be them. Not me, them, italicized. This challenge was rewarding from the start. Every next conversation so very different to the last. Just the act of listening taught me an enormous amount not simply about individual stories, but about the sheer variety of surprises and heartaches any life has in store. And the words starting to adjust and in that store is the key sentence. I'm patient by nature, but I'm also nosy, a.k.a. curious, and after not very long, I realized I had the dream job. Every working day held the promise of someone new to talk to 
Amber Friend and to do each conversation full justice, I had somehow to imagine myself into the very middle of this person's head. And the word starting at every and in the head is the key sentence. That, dear reader, is an enormous privilege, but it also, I was beginning to understand, is the proper business of the working novelist. Surrender to curiosity, and every next book becomes an act of trespass. And the words starting at I and in that trespass is the key sentence. Someone else's world, someone else's secrets, someone else's darkest fears is not about you at all. It's about the faces you see around you, about the muttered conversations in the backs of buses, about that harassed-looking woman at the supermarket checkout with her vocal daughter, about the circumstances that pile up around life after life, about what makes you sink or swim. The latter, of course, we novelists call plot, but everything, says me, begins with listening and watching. And the words starting the and in that watching is the key sentence. Do I lift characters' whole self from real life and rustle them onto the page? Never. Do I feel the grain of other people's lives and start imagining where that might lead me? Yes. More than 40 books in their very different ways thus became thus become a testament to curiosity. My father always taught me that trespass was a mortal sin. He couldn't have been more wrong. Getting out of yourself opens every door. The end of this article. I will now take his questions and comments. Well, um... Chat room is kind of quiet tonight. Not too many people. So, what do you what do you declare from that article you read is the most relevant part? All right, on page one with the sentence because you want to know what happens next. Mm. And could you read so that, that part of the article, please? Sure, it's the beginning, uh, the beginning sentence. Writing when it works properly draws on it all the age-old sources of storytelling, enchantment, the magic of spells, and that mysterious process that can bust you out of the cage of being you and extend an irresistible invitation to become someone else. We've all felt it, that touch of the narrator's extended hand when you settle into a book's opening paragraph, that beckoning finger, that slow nod of the head in a particular direction. You read on, you get to the end of the first chapter, you're starting to collude in the writer's bid to kidnap just a little of your inner self. In short, you're hooked. And why? Because you want to know what happens next. Yeah, that is definitely the active imagination mm. about the run wild. Sometimes all you I have mean, to I do is just give a person one word, you know, and they can just, mm -hmm. just that one word, mm -hmm. write a whole narrative. Right. And I was uh, 
I looked at the last sentence. I call it as a cliffhanger slash suspense. And then I was thinking about the film Tenet. And that was that coded word that was needed. Say that again. All right. I was saying is that with the last sentence, because you want to know what happens next, I call it that's a cliffhanger slash suspense. And then I was thinking about the John David Washington film Tenet. And the film itself was also, you know, the code word which was needed. So the film itself was also the code word you said? Yes, the, um, the film Tenet with John David Washington. And the film name is Tenet and it's right. also, you know, used in the film, you know, as a code word. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's one mm -hmm. film I saw previews. And I had a like interest of wanting to see it in full. I just haven't had a chance. It's, I've just been doing a lot more reading these days. But mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, so we touched I'm on so much. Oh, mm -hmm. We touched on so much tonight. So do you have a suggested, any suggested readings? All right, sure. So you want me to save Oops. the third? Um, sure, I have a suggested reading, but before I do that, you want me to save the third paragraph until next Tuesday? Well, you can actually go into it tonight. We do have some time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 1035, yeah. All right, so um, this is the final um, article. And it's from writersdigest.com, and it's titled, writers, Writing Mistakes Writers Make Revising While Writing. All right, I'm going to skip down to the in, uh, from the intro because it's the same as the first two. Yeah. All right, let's see. Writing mis all right, re I write a mistakes writers make revising while writing. Last week, the wonderful Robert Lee Brewer wrote about... <clears throat> why it's a mistake to refrain from revising your project. But with writing, like anything else, too much of a good thing can become destructive. Many writers can successfully revise while working on a project. I'm not familiar with any, but I'm sure they're out there somewhere. However, I want to talk about what happens when you find that you're only, only revising a project, or maybe even getting stuck in the endless cycle of writing a few chapters before scrapping them and beginning again, never getting yourself over that finish line to your draft completion. I've talked a bit about the period in my writing life where I wasn't completing a single project I worked on. The root of my issue was self-doubt. However, I used revision as a way to keep myself from finishing the project. If the project was never finished, it couldn't be bad, right? Some of my revisions were necessary. I remember being 60,000 words, <clears throat> pardon me, into a romance novel without even reaching the middle of the plot. Yikes. Obviously, something had gone off the rails, but most of my revisions were simple nitpicking. <clears throat> I wanted to age a minor character up, so I paused writing and went through the whole manuscript to reflect that change. I wanted to be sure that the sensory details of a particular scene were just so. I thought maybe this section of exposition should be dialogue instead. 
the list goes on and on. And the key sentence is where it's starting at some and internet necessary. The point is, I was spending time doing revisions that weren't wholly necessary for me to finish the draft. There are things that could have waited until I had the entirety of the first draft written and then could go back to revise. Writers can get stuck in a revision cycle for any number of reasons. Whatever it is keeping you in a non-productive pattern, there are ways to ensure that you keep moving your project forward without the constant temptation to revise. And the word starting in there and in that revises the key sentence. Mistake fix. Keep it short. Revising while writing can become nasty, a nasty habit that keeps you from seeing your project's completion. However, there are a few things you can do to resist the impulse to spend more time revising what you've written instead of writing what you haven't. Number one, set a timer for the beginning of each writing session. If you know you have an hour to write, only allow yourself the first 15 minutes to revise. Set a timer and keep yourself diligent to that deadline, 15 minutes only. That way you still feel satisfied that you're leveling up your work, but you're spending the majority of your time creating new material instead of fiddling with, with what's already on the page. Number two, make notes as you go. This has been the most helpful tool for me. If I realize that I want to age up a character, I simply pop a note right into the document and then continue to write as if that change has already been implemented, which means put into effect in the definition back to the article. It will give me a, an idea of where the manuscript shifted once I've completed the draft and are ready for heavy edit. I've even done this with something as huge as a character death when I realized that I should have killed this character off two chapters ago. I simply noted it in the text and then continued writing as if he was already dead and gone. This will keep you moving forward in your plot without creating unnecessary difficulties when you want, want to want to dive into heavy revisions later down the road. I recommend using track changes in Word or the comments feature in Google Docs to incorporate these notes. Number three, utilize the Pomodoro technique. When it's hardest to focus on writing, using the Pomodoro technique can be a lifesaver. It is a time management technique that has you work for a determined amount of time and then take a short break before getting back to work. The idea is that you work diligently during your quote-unquote on time, no breaks, no distractions, no switching over to Google to research something. And the words starting at it and then that something is the key sentence. I found, pardon me, I found the, first, the 25 minutes on slash five minutes off style best for my workflow, but you can use the shorter 15 minutes on slash two minutes off style if you find it hard to concentrate for longer periods of time. Doing this keeps me from scrolling up through my document or sitting and staring at the blinking cursor. When it's time to write, I just write. And the word starting and winning and in that right is the key sentence. No matter how you do it, getting the draft of your manuscript completed should always be your top priority. Especially for smaller, more nitpicky edits, you can save those until the work is completed for you to dive back in and shore it up. Instead of shooting for perfection as you're drafting, it's best to keep yourself focused on making sure that 
All the time you're spending revising isn't keeping you from actually writing. And the word started at instead and ending at writing is the key sentence. The end of this, this article, I will now take its questions and comments. Hey, I just have a comment, very informative. And I definitely refer, I recommend, not refer, I recommend that anyone is serious about taking their writing to the, to the next level, that they read that article. There's a lot of keys in that, keys of wisdom. All right. All right, that was the uh, end of the three articles, and so I'm going to move on to the suggested reading. And I'm going to pull this book up. It's titled, mm -hmm. What's Free? It Ain't Being Booked on Paper by Ron Crawford, and it's at Amazon. I try to find a Harriet's Bookshop, but it's not, it's not available, so I have to read it on Amazon. All right, description. In What's Free, It Ain't Being Booked on Paper, Crawford uses a therapeutic analysis of Meek Mills' legal challenges and the themes of some of his music to explore how hip-hop has been impacted by mass incarceration, trauma, and the opioid epidemic. Uh, and that's the end of the description. And the book is, uh, the book is paperback, $15. And a second, all right, and here's a second uh, definition from Google. The book describes how mass incarceration and mass supervision impacts hip-hop hip culture and how culturally relevant therapy can help members of the hip-hop culture recover and heal. And Sage disconnects to the uh, episode 354 is this, you know, title about healing. All right, and um, all right, since all right, there's no questions or comments about the suggested reading, I'm going to close with all right, anti-Trump art warriors resistance medicine. And first I'm going to read, this is uh, all right, the literature. And here's an article, it's titled, The Nicole Hannah-Jones Tenor Controversy at UNC, which is the University of North Carolina, Answers to Common Questions. By Kate Murray Murphy, dated May 29, 2021. Acclaimed journalist, Nicole, her first name spelled N-I-K, like Kate, O-L-E, Hannah-Jones, and a team of lawyers are considering taking legal action against UNC Chapel. 
Chapel Hill, alleging discrimination after a wave of national outrage over her not getting tenure for a new position she will take at the university this summer. Here's what you need to know about the issue. Question, who is Nicole Hannah-Jones? Answer, Nicole Hannah-Jones is a black woman and an investigative journalist for the New York Times who was hired this spring as UNC's Knight, spelled K-N-I-G-H-T, chair in race and investigative journalism at the Hussman School of Journalism and Media. The position is designed for industry greats to enter academia. During her nearly two-decade-long career in journalism, Hannah Jones has won a MacArthur, quote, genius grant, end quote, a Peabody Award, and a Pulitzer Prize for commentary in 2020 for her work on the 1619 Project. She was recently elected to the American Academy of Arts and Sciences and inducted to the NC Media and Journalism of Fame. She's not leaving her job at the Times, but will also be teaching at UNC. She'll be making a $180,000 annual salary at UNC on a five-year fixed-term contract that's partially paid for by the Knight Foundation. Hannah Jones has a master's degree from UNC. She has previously worked at the News and Observer and the Oregonian. Why didn't Nicole Hannah Jones get tenor? The Knight Chair position has historically been tenored, meaning it's a lifetime appointment that protects professors' academic freedom and their job, no matter how controversial their work might be. When Hannah Jones' tenor candidacy was presented to the UNC Board of Trustees in January, they never voted on it, so it was not approved. Trustee Chuck Duckett, who chairs the committee that vets tenor candidates on behalf of the board, said he had questions about Hannah Jones, including her teaching experience. He asked to postpone the matter to get answers, according to the university. Instead, in March, Hannah Jones was offered a fixed-term contract with the option of being reviewed for tenor for within five years. The announcement of her hiring was made in April. Prominent scholars and UNC faculty have suggested that conservative politicians are behind the effort not to grant her tenor, in particular because of her work on the 1619 Project. Some point to politics, race, and gender. The tenor issue has sparked national controversy over the past two weeks as hundreds of scholars, journalism professionals, UNC faculty, alumni, and students have publicly stood up for Hannah Jones. They protested, sent letters, and published statements criticizing UNC leaders. They've demanded the board reconsider Hannah Jones's tenor. One group of 1,619 UNC alumni and students brought a two-page spread advertisement in the News and Observer to defend her. Even two of the sharpest critics of the 1619 Project, Princeton University professors Sean Willens and Keith Whittington, support Hannah Jones getting tenor. Now, I'm going to stop here, and I'm going to explain what the 1619 Project is, the controversy, and I'm going to read from Dane Calloway, the YouTuber historian, Dane Calloway's audio titled, The First Africans Were White People That Immigrated to America in the Early 1600s. So Dane said, look up Hernings, that's spelled H-E-A-R-N, 
I-N-G apostrophe S records on the statutes, spell S-T-A-T-U-T-E-S, at large of the laws concerning the colony of Virginia. I could not believe that they were lying, but at the same time, I knew what I stated earlier this year was true, that the people that they were referring to when they said Africans was white, because the first Africans did arrive here in America in 1619, but not in Jamestown, Virginia, nor was it in Virginia. It was in Plymouth, Massachusetts. That colony was established before the Virginia Company established the colony of Virginia, hands down. Now I'm going to stop here and I'm going to add, you know, this is Warriors Queens of Poor's um, quote from Malcolm X when he said, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock, Plymouth Rock landed on us. All right, so back to what Dane's uh, 1619 uh, explaining in his audio. That's according to their records. So now we officially know who the Africans were. Now, when you look up the term, Af term African, it was already referred to the whites a long time ago. You were referring to the whites. Keep in mind, they didn't have a tribe to connect with. All right, so that's the end of uh, what Dane has said about the 16, uh, about 1619. Now I'm going to return to Hannah Nicole Jones's article. What is the 1619 Project? The 1619 Project explores the legacy and history of black Americans and slavery and was published by the New York Times in August 2019. Hannah Jones conceived of and led the project and won the Pulitzer Prize for commentary in 2020 for her essay in it. It aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of our national narrative, the project says in its opening. The 1619 project has faced scrutiny from some historians and conservative politicians and led to a clarification from the Times, though the paper stands by her work. One point that sparked debate was the claim that a, quote, primary reason the colonists fought the American Revolution was to protect the institution of slavery, end quote, according to the Times. It's also been recently debated in Congress and state and local legislatures as an example of an educational program that teaches about systemic racism and slavery. Some politicians say it puts advocacy ahead of historical accuracy, end quote, the Times reported. More than 150 scholars and historians recently wrote and signed a letter in The Root, an African-American-oriented online magazine explaining the importance of the 1619 Project. Professor and historian Glenda Elizabeth Gilmore said in an email, <clears throat> pardon me, to the News and Observer, they represent the, quote, overwhelming sentiment in the profession, not the six historians who wrote the criticized 1619, end quote. She and others called the 1619 Project, quote, a landmark exploration of America's deep roots in enslavement, end quote. They say it offers an opportunity for, quote, thousands of students across the nation to think more deeply about the year 1619 and the defining role of slavery in U.S. history, end quote. Can the UNC board reconsider her tenure? 
The UNSA trustees have received an official resubmission for Hannah Jones's tenure appointment. So it's back in their hands and the committee is reviewing her dozier, spelled D as in big O-S-S-I-E-R, which means tenor resume. All right, and then the definition, back to the article. But they don't have to vote on it. Hannah Jones's legal team told UNC that CH it has until Friday to offer her tenor or face a federal lawsuit, NC Policy Watch reported. When will the board take it up? That's not clear. The next official board meeting is scheduled for July 14th and 15th in Chapel Hill after Hannah Jones is set to start her job. When does she start? Hannah Jones is set to begin her job as a professor at UNC-CH Journalism School on July 1st. What about this potential lawsuit? Attorneys from the NAACP, Legal Defense and Educational Fund and Corporation, Levi Ratner, PC, and Ferguson, Chambers and Sumter, Pennsylvania, PA, are representing Hannah Jones as she considers a federal lawsuit against UNC Chapel Hill. Hannah Jones said, said she had, quote, no desire to bring turmoil or a political firestorm, end quote, to her alma mater, UNC. She said she was excited to return to UNC, a place that she loves and that launched her career. But I am obligated to fight back against a wave of anti-democratic suppression that seeks to prohibit the free exchange of ideas, silence black voices, and chill free speech, Hannah Jones said. Hannah Jones says she retained legal counsel to, quote, ensure the academic and journalistic freedom of black writers is protected to the full extent of the law and to seek redress for the University of North Carolina's adverse actions against me. The group said in a statement that UNC has, quote, unlawfully discriminated against Hannah Jones based on the content of her journalism and scholarship and because of her race, end quote. Why are NC lawmakers involved? Hannah Jones's legal team sent a letter informing North Carolina lawmakers of their duty to preserve records related to her hiring, connecting the board's decision to the Republican-dominated state legislator. Republican Senate leader Phil Burgess spokesperson Pat Ryan told the News and Observer that the legislature does not influence faculty hiring decisions or terms at UNC school systems. In some ways, the UNC system's top governing body is seen as an extension of North Carolina's General Assembly. The state legislature appoints the members of the UNC system board of governors. That board of governors and state lawmakers also appoint members of the UNC-CH campus board of trustees, which approves tenor for faculty. Who has tenor at UNC Chapel Hill? Hannah Jones hasn't said much publicly until her statement about the potential lawsuit. But in that statement and a few tweets, she's made one thing clear, this fight is bigger than her. The university gives another snapshot of full-time permanent faculty in 2020 in an April 2021 report by the university's institutional research and assessment. About 35% of faculty members at UNC have tenure, according to the report. 536 women had tenure at UNC compared to 891 men. About 37% of tenured faculty members are women, yet women make up more than half the faculty. About 25% of female faculty members at UNC have tenure. When looking at tenured faculty by race, 
69 professors are black or African-American, which is less than 5% of all tenured faculty. Black or African-American professors make up 5.5% of the entire faculty. About 80% of tenured faculty are white, and white professors make up just under 75% of the entire faculty at UNC. All right, the end of this article. And so what Hannah Nicole Jones, I mean, Nicole Hannah Jones is uh, rejected tenor at UNC and choose and chose instead to teach at Howard University. All right, so I'm going to end here because it's 1057. Uh, you want to say anything, Sage? Um, no, I was appreciative of the content of the article. Mm -hmm. All right, you're welcome. <clears throat> Yes, it was uh, Hannah Nicole Jones was ahead of fight, but after, you know, they decided to, you know, UNC decided to let her in, she found something better and said, bye-bye. <laughs> mm. mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. It's been a lot of discussion about that mm -hmm. particular issue. And I wish her well. Mm -hmm. All of the best. I mean, there's a place for everyone, and I just wanted it to turn out good for her. I didn't want her to be blackballed mm -hmm. and not able to mm -hmm. establish tenure at another university. I thought also about. Felicia Rashad and what recently took place mm -hmm. concerning her and yeah. just the fact mm -hmm. that she was, she was at step down. Mm -hmm. He had to, like, I just think it's hard times, you know, for people because mm -hmm. I'm a transition in the world in general, and now we're being respected the way we should have always been. Well, you said Felicia that, Rashad, um, you know, had stepped. She was being oh, asked to step down from the position uh, of dean. She's been dean of, um, I believe, the College of Arts and Sciences at Howard yeah. University. And it was yeah. based on mm -hmm. a tweet, you know, when she congratulated Bill Cosby on his release from prison and all. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, I just think these are some very... Um, challenging times for women and men of color in general. Mm -hmm. And we've got to rise to the occasion, though. I mean, know your rights. is It's important mm -hmm. to know your rights. And when your rights are being violated, assert yourself, mm -hmm. you know? Don't mm -hmm. allow yourself to be suppressed. Um, voter suppression is illegal. It should not be happening. Mm -hmm. Yet we have some states that are still um, you know, they still need some laws overturned. 
that mm -hmm. condone and promote voter suppression. So we're seeing mm -hmm. it's still a lot of change yet to come here mm -hmm. in America. And it's going to take people being stern and firm and strong and not afraid to challenge any opinion or any action taken against their rights. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yes, the whole thing is the whole like fight is nonsense, capital letters, but uh. mm -hmm. all right. Well, this is uh, Warriors Queens of Poor Thalman signing off for Exceptional Scribble episode 354. And until next time, Donata Gahani. Yes. Uh, peaceful evening ties to everyone. Peace and blessings. And let's not forget, tomorrow is a Wellness Wednesday. Think mm -hmm. about things that are lovely. Refuse thinking, thinking. It is our time mm -hmm. to heal well, and it starts within. Mm -hmm. Have a good night and peace and blessings. And don't forget to join us mm -hmm. next Tuesday. We will have another open forum discussion, and we're going to maintain sustaining having topics and focuses that are current events related and relevant to our community. Have a good night to all and good health to everyone.